0: Welcome back to Coast to Coast Sports, the only show for the fans, by the fans. I'm Michael Fumafretto, and happy December, everybody. That's right, it's December 2nd, 2020, almost through this dreadful year. And I'm going to have to speed through today's show for two reasons. First is because I just ordered food. I'm here at the studio, and I am starving. So as I was about to start the show, the food came here. It's sitting in a bag over there. Can't wait to eat, because I am starving. But... Another reason is we have a Wednesday afternoon football game. And you heard me right. Not Sunday night, not Sunday afternoon, not Thursday night, not even Friday or Saturday night. We've seen those before, even Tuesday this year. But what would this year be if the COVID monster didn't strike the NFL one more time? And with that, we have a prime time, so to say, matchup between the Ravens and the Pittsburgh Steelers. And this is actually only the sixth ever NFL game to be played on a Wednesday night, or a Wednesday afternoon. And this one should be interesting. Steelers, obviously, still undefeated at 10-0. Ravens have fell out of the playoff picture right now because a couple other teams have won. I know right now they're fighting for that wildcard spot as this is a divisional matchup. But it's going to be an uphill battle for them. No Lamar Jackson in this one. Robert Griffin III, former Heisman winner, going... To be making the start. Maybe they throw Trace McSorley in there. I know he's become a bit of an internet meme recently, so it might be interesting to see if they use him, the rookie out of Penn State. But they're also going to be without Mark Andrews, their tight end, Mark Ingram, and J.K. Dobbins are all out as well. That wasn't the only game to be affected by the coronavirus this past week. I had a bunch of my friends over to watch some of these games, and one that we all kept a keen eye on. Was the Denver Broncos New Orleans Saints game? Now that game ended 31 to three. So I might be asking, why were we, we watching that? Why are we so interested by it? That's because the neither team, so to say, started a real quarterback. The Saints were starting Taysom Hill, who was listed as their backup quarterback, but also plays tight end, running back, wide receiver, kick return, punt return, cornerback, safety, basically every position on the field. He was on the winning end, but on the losing end. Uh, the Denver Broncos had to start Kendall Hinton at quarterback. He was a practice squad wide receiver. The last time he played quarterback was actually back in his college days at Wake Forest out in 2017. He did not perform that well. I mean, it's kind of tough to really be thrown into the fire like that. He found out he was being activated to the practice, from the practice squad to the main roster on Saturday. And then they turn around right back and tell him, hey, you're the starting quarterback, just so you know. Well, he ended off having more interceptions than completions, two to one, and the team ended up losing thirty-one to three. So I don't know if we'll get another shot, but a very interesting game. It Looks like Drew Locke, Brett Rippin, and Blake Bortles should all be on the, ros- the active roster once again this upcoming game against the uh, well, well, then another team that really is being affected by the COVID as well. Is the 49ers who were recently kicked out of San Francisco? Get this, the governor the government said they couldn't play their games there. They have to move, find another stadium for the time being, at least a couple weeks. And right now they got they got two home games scheduled in a row, so they will be playing in Arizona. So we got the Arizona 49ers now. I guess we call them. They have their two home games this week. Starting off with the Bills week 13, they'll host them in the Arizona Cardinals stadium. Follow that up with another home home game against the Washington football team. Then they go on the road to play Dallas and finish up with an away game in Arizona against the Arizona Cardinals. So, very interesting schedule there for them. Sticking in California though, my beloved USC Trojans had their game canceled this weekend against Colorado, and I don't, this kind of hurts them. I mean, they only ha- playing they're only playing six games to begin with, and now you cancel one of them. Obviously, one of the more tough matchups, considering Colorado's in the division, they're undefeated as well. But now they watch, their game against Washington State should be ready to go. They moved it to Sunday at 7:30, and. This way, I might have to not watch Sunday Night Football. Hopefully, I got nobody on my fantasy team that I got to worry about. It's the Broncos again versus the Kansas City Chiefs. Shouldn't be that entertaining of a game. So I expect everyone out there to be watching USC versus Washington State football on uh, Sunday night. But time to get into some of the nitty-gritty stuff. And I'm going to go on a little bit of a rant here because, like I said, USC... They're already a long shot to make the playoffs to begin with. And then the College Football Playoff Committee comes out with their rankings on last night, Tuesday night, December 1st. And here's what we got. So we got Alabama at one, Notre Dame at two. Clemson, who lost to Notre Dame at three, but they're all still really up there. Ohio State at four. And you go all the way down the list, you got some group of five teams in there, some unexpected ones, Northwestern's there having a very good year. So is Indiana at twelve. Iowa State right now leading the Big 12 in terms of record, but they're at six and two. USC all the way down there at number 20. Now they're also the top Pac-12 team out there. Washington is at 22, and Oregon, who lost last week, is now at 23. So right now, even if we, the best Pac-12 team, is behind a bunch of these teams, a couple ACC, a bunch of SEC. Even some Big 12 teams with two losses. But I'm going to keep saying two losses because it's going to be the magic number for this segment of making the case. And the reason is, like I've said this before, no team has ever made the college football playoff with two or more losses. So hopefully the committee keeps that same aspect or same really motive when choosing the college football playoffs. But I'm here to tell you that there's hope. And there is hope that USC can somehow make the college football playoff. Crazy, right? I know I told my friends this at USC and they all looked at me like I had three heads. One person even sent me a response saying, the fact that you even think that is scary. Like you need to figure something out. And you know what? I put the thinking cap on, I put on the reading glasses, I got down to it, did the research, did my homework. And I came up with the plan of how USC is going to make the college football playoff. And it's only two steps. Well, sort of. There, there are two real main steps. The first one, they got to win out. And the second one, they got to pray. That simple. You can figure it out. And I kind of I laid it out because I really have nothing else better to do. And you may ask, Michael, you talk about USC all the time. Can you, fix, you know, maybe you talk about the rest of the league, the teams that actually matter? And I'm not going to do that because, uh, well, I'm biased. And, you know, I'm, I was thinking about that last night. I'm going to make that a little bit of a catchphrase for this show considering it is for the fans, by the fans. We're not really on any major network trying to just broadcast news. It's just me talking to you guys about the teams I like, the teams I want to see win, my fantasy team. Uh, yeah, I'm biased, so... We're going to get into it. This is what I laid out for USC to make the college football playoff. First three are simple, and I color-coded it, too, just so it's a little easier to understand. I got green, orange, because I don't want to make this a complete eyesore with yellow text, and you're blinded by it. So orange is like a toss-up, something that might happen, could not and then the red is basically something that most likely, 99.99999999% chance of not happening. So we see now the first three, you got to win versus Washington State this week. They have to win at UCLA, which is being played at the Rose Bowl Stadium, so only a little bus ride to Pasadena for them. And then they got to win the Pac 12 championship game against either Washington, or if they lose, maybe they play Oregon again. But those three games are going to be important because at that point, USC would be undefeated. Now, I want to go back to the college football playoff picture and just showing you right now that I think there's two, most likely three locks on the board right now. Alabama, they should win out. They should be in the college football playoff as the number one seed. Notre Dame-Clemson, though, they are in a very tough spot because Notre Dame obviously won. When they played a few weeks back. But Trevor Lawrence. The starting quarterback for Clemson. And likely number one overall pick of the New York Jets in April. It was not playing. He was out due to COVID. So here's two scenarios now. And if if we go back to my list. There's a little star for the bottom. Notre Dame can win this game. Clemson would have two losses. And I think that'll actually bump out Clemson maybe. We'll we'll have to see. But I think that's. A two-loss Clemson team, you, you got to draw the line somewhere, college football playoff committee. But the other scenario is if Clemson wins so convincingly, I can see Notre Dame getting knocked out. The playoff committee might say, hey, you guys beat a team without their star quarterback, and you only won in triple overtime. But when, he has, when he's on the field, you guys get blown out in a championship game. So we could see something like that logic having maybe knocked Notre Dame out because they're not even a conference champion. Now, let's go back to the the path to the playoff. Number four, Florida has one loss right now, but they're most likely going to play Alabama in the SEC championship game. They are currently at number six in the pool or in the rankings. So I can see them, if they lose, they have two losses, no conference championship, they're out. Next up, Ohio State. Now, this is my first toss-up. Because Ohio State, apparently, they have to play at least five games to be eligible. Or they have to play six games to be eligible for the Big Ten championship game, their conference. Now, Ohio State is a lock to win the Big Ten right now if they do play that game. But right now, their upcoming games are in a little bit of jeopardy. I mean, they missed their last week's game... They only they've only played four so far. So if they miss one more game, we can look at a scenario where the college football playoff says, "Hey, you guys didn't even play in your conference championship game. How can we put you in the college football playoff, even though you are one of the best teams?" And that's where that's why I made this the I put the subtext five point one. That's in the red because I really can't see them leaving a team out just because they only played four games, but they're still the best team, and we're one of the best teams in college football. So we'll keep the hope alive. If that happens, there's still a lot more that needs to go down. The committee has to leave out the Big 12. This is a no-brainer. Iowa State's got two losses. OU, Oklahoma's got two losses. Oklahoma State, who a few weeks back I thought would win the conference, they are at two losses right now. All those teams still ranked ahead of USC right now, though. But I can see them getting pushed out because they have two losses. And there's still more that's got to go on. But wait, there's more. How about that one? Uh, And these are more like, these are still my toss-ups. I think there's a lot that could happen. This one in particular, uh, Indiana Indiana and Wisconsin play in the Big Ten East. Wisconsin right now only played three games, so they might not even be eligible to make the Big Ten championship game. And then you got Northwestern, who's undefeated right now. They are, they are the um, Big Ten West champion currently. So what this what needs to happen here is they have to. They most of them have to lose a game. It would be great if all of them can drop at least one game. But whoever loses that game. Especially, they all have one loss right now. So whoever loses one more game has to win the Big Ten. Because then you think to yourself, well, they, the Big Ten champions got two losses. The Big Ten runner-up has two losses. How can you put a team in with two losses? There you go. That one's a little bit complicated. I kind of explained it weird, so let me break it down again. They all got three losses. If one of them loses another game, they'll have two losses. If they win the Big Ten Championship, no matter who the other team is and how many, how many losses they have, they will now have at least two. So there you go. And then the last one, we've seen how the, Big T- the College Football Playoff Com- Committee treats a group of five teams, Cincinnati and BYU, both in, one's in the AAC and the other's in the Mountain West Conference. So both not Power Five conferences. If they lose a game right now, they're undefeated. But if they lose at least one game, they're out. So that's my process of how USC is going to make it to the college football playoff. It's a lot to digest. There's a lot that needs to go USA's way. That's why I said they have to win out and they got to pray. It's that simple. If you're a USC fan, I expect you to be praying as well. Because this is likely... This is... There's a slim chance. It's slim to none, but... It could happen, and I'm, I'm the first one to tell you, and hopefully in a couple weeks when they do release who made the college football playoff, you're sitting there and be like, hey, he told me he was, they were going to make it. That's all that matters. We're going to move back over to the, the professionals now, going to the National Football League for some top five, and like I said, it's been a crazy week so far in the NFL, and it's not even over. It's week 12. A lot more still to come. Uh, I think we're living in the upside down right now. The way these games went over the weekend, we had some crazy scores. We had some blowouts that shouldn't have been. We had some wins that were a lot closer than they should have been. But the top five for this week is going to be the upside down games of week 12. And we're going to kick it off with number five of the game we already talked about, the Raven Steelers, who, as I'm filming this, they should have just kicked off. It's Wednesday afternoon football coming to you on NBC. Baltimore Ravens visiting the Pittsburgh Steelers, great division rival game. I'm going to be tuning in right after this. But moving on to number 4, New England, the New England Patriots upset the Arizona Cardinals 20 to 17. And New England Patriots win on a last second Nick Folk field goal. So, Cardinals now have fallen out of the playoff picture. I think they might still be there actually. Don't take me on take my word on that, but They're right on the cusp now. Los Angeles Rams, who also lost this week, are still in. But this game was weird because neither quarterback threw for over 200 yards and neither team had over 300 yards of total offense. I think Cam Newton threw for a very nice 69 yards. And all the quarterbacks, him and Kyler Murray, both combined for three three interceptions to no touchdowns. So pretty bad game there. I mean, you could say it's a great game for the defense, but not the best game there, thankfully, and we're kick- we'll keep it with the Thanksgiving for this week, but I'm very thankful that Graham started Kyler Murray this week because Aaron Rodgers was on his bench. Moving on to number three, though, and I was way off on this one. I was talking to my friends about it. I thought the Las Vegas Raiders would blow out the Atlanta Falcons. But I was completely wrong. Atlanta won the game 43-6. I did say say it would be high scoring. So we could say that, but I thought it would be high scoring for both teams. Atlanta really just looked the better part. Derek Carr played awful after I said he was going to have one of his best games. Uh, Fantasy-wise, my friend Christian, who was at my house on Sunday, actually came up to me in like the first quarter. And he's like, yeah, Derek Carr is playing great right now. Shows me his phone. He's got negative two points. So I was like, oh, whoops. No, that's all you can really say is there. Whoops. Uh, going on to number two. The Seattle Seahawks defeated the Philadelphia Eagles. This was expected. But the score was 23 to 15. And you might be saying, all right, they still won. It was a touchdown game. Close game on a Sunday night. You never know it could go anything, any given Sunday, you know. But a lot of people had this betting spread of Seattle minus six and a half, and if you do the math that's not that's only six points twenty three the score is actually twenty three seventeen so and I'll get into why that is in a second but twenty three seventeen comes out to six points, so anyone who bet the Eagles was jumping for joy, however. That was only 10% of people or so that bet. The other 90 had to watch as the Eagles scored on a Hail Mary when they were down 23-9. to You're like, alright, still they're going to kick the extra point. It'll be 23-16. Maybe they even miss. It'll be 23-8, 23-15 still. We got this. But then Philly decides to go for two. Which doesn't make a total lot of football sense. They were down 15. The extra point makes it 14 they were down 14, scored a touchdown, extra point, making a seven-point game. They decided to go for two. They get it. And fans were so outraged by this that one of them actually sent an email to the commissioner, Roger Goodell. And here's what it says. To whom it may concern. Let me just start off by saying that I have been an avid fan of the National Football League for a while now. However, I am beginning to wonder what this league has become. Throughout the season, there have been plenty of evi- there are plenty of evidence to suggest that the NFL is rigged. However, I refuse to believe it. I had faith in my favorite league, but it was quickly faded after this Monday night game. The reason I am writing this is for a variety of reasons. I am sure you're well aware. Over 90% of America was on the Seahawks negative, minus six and a half. The score was going into the final drive was 23 to nine, and even with a touchdown, the spread still would have cashed in any normal game. He goes on to talk about how there was a lot of missed calls. I saw one of those that he talks when Carson went through the ball out of bounds. It should have been an intentional grounding, but they said it wasn't. But anyway, he goes on to talk about all that. The game was never fair to begin with. This is the last paragraph now. Going back to the final drive, the touchdown was expected, making the score 23-15. to I don't even know how you can say that when it was a Hail Mary to Richard Rodgers, who now has two touchdown catches in his career. For on a, off a of hail mary, I studied analytics. There is absolutely no reason to go for two in this situation, except for one reason and one reason only, because Vegas had an influence on this game. He goes on talk about that a little more. He goes, I will send my Venmo, and I am expecting a response shortly. He wants to <laughs> Roger Goodell to compensate all Seattle betters. And get, to get their money back. Fix your game. This is the NFL. Not put money in Vegas' Hands League. I expect more. A concerned fan. This is what the NFL's come through. That is a real email that Roger Goodell received. And I thought it was the funniest thing. My friend Rob, was. we were talking about this when I sent this in my group chat. And he, we went ballistic. He was like, there is absolutely no way that spread should have hit. The Eagles should have, there was no reason for them to go for two. It was so much fun. It was so funny. But anyway, number one games that, the upside down game of the week, or should I say games, is the, are these. And because I'm biased, we're gonna, I'm showing you my fantasy league. Uh, a lot of blowouts going on. Mine at the top. I defeated Graham, who was talking a lot of smack coming into the week about, about how the last time he beat me by... 50 points, my team played pretty bad that week. He had a lot of injuries, some COVID players. But second game on the list, Danny Vaccaro, who I said is in 10th place, upset Mike O'Brien, who's got the league lead right now and should be locked in. Uh, other than that, Phil, Phil's on a tear right now. Let me tell you, the Pittsburgh Feelers, he defeats Lonzo's Balls, who should move down to last place now only close game was Brant versus John Kroon. Brant gets the edge on there. John Kroon might fall out of his his uh, first round bye right now, the way he's been playing now. Currently, it's 7-5. And, and Brandon Caridi of Dos Boobies makes his playoff case with a big win over the 8th place team, Christian Venditti. Christian still got uh, Deontay Johnson left to play right now. So, there's still hope, but he'd have to score like 60 points. So, we're going to call it um, a lock for Brandon uh, now just to end off the show kind of got some, a little time left, we're going to turn on the Steelers-Ravens game right after this but I wanted to introduce to you the first annual Coasties Fantasy Football Awards which will air next Wednesday and we got a lot of great awards to give out uh, I already sent them out to my committee, they've started voting already but we're going to introduce the nominees. First award we're giving out is Rookie of the Year. And we got the nominees are Justin Herbert, James Robinson, who I traded away. Both of those guys were moneymakers at one point. And Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, the first-round pick in many leagues. Next award goes out to the best backup running back who had to fill in for a starter. We got the Handcuffed of the Year award. And those, the nominees are Mike Davis, Kareem Hunt, and Chase Edmonds. That one, if you're watching this, you probably think, why do we even need three nominees for that? Uh, the New Face and New Place Award goes out to the player who's performed best on their new team. The nominees are Tom Brady, Stefan Diggs, and DeAndre Hopkins. So a lot of, and that could be a very controversial award. We'll see who gets the win there. Best game of the year will be the deciding factor of the best performance award. We had a late nominee this weekend when Tyreek Hill scored 57 points. And he will be going up against two moneymaker games in Dak Prescott in week two against the Atlanta Falcons. And Tyler Lockett's three touchdown performance week seven against the Arizona Cardinals. Then we go move down the list to some negative t- Negativity, I guess, with the bust of the year award, and the nominees are Kenyon Drake, Lamar Jackson, and Michael Thomas. I tried to keep out guys like Saquon or Christian McCaffrey because of their injuries. Michael Thomas is in there because I voted for, I picked him in a lot of leagues as my first-round pick over guys like Kamara, Dalvin Cook, who are having phenomenal years, and he just let me down. So, like I said, because I'm biased. We put Michael Thomas in as a nominee. Maybe he wins the award, maybe he doesn't. We'll see what's going on with that, what the voting committee decides. Because kickers are people too, I decided to put a special, team, special teamer of the year. This can either go to a defense or a kicker. And the nominees are Ravens defense, Daniel Carlson of the Oakland Raiders, uh, Las Vegas Raiders, and Young-Wei Ku, fan favorite kicker for the Atlanta Falcons. Waiver wire pickup of the year goes to the best player that was picked up in many leagues, went undrafted. Maybe he went in the later rounds, but in my league for sure he, they were undrafted. And the nominees are James Robinson, who gets his second nomination, Justin Jefferson, rookie for the Minnesota Vikings, and Robbie Anderson, former Jet and now with the Carolina Panthers. The Moneymaker Award. Now, this is an interesting one because it's not based on the past, it's based on the future. And it's who guys think, who the committee thinks is going to make the biggest impact on most playoffs. Who thinks wins the most leagues? The nominees are Christian McCaffrey, who should be returning from injury. Same with Austin Eckler, who played last week, and Derrick Henry, because we've seen what he's done in years past. When it gets down to the last couple weeks of the season, he's also got a very easy playoff schedule. All the teams ranked below the top, the bot in the bottom tw- of the, tw- the- last 10 against the running back this season. Now, I will be giving out a special award to the guy on my fantasy team, the Moneymakers, that I think performed the best all season. The coaches Award goes out. The nominees are Tyler Lockett, Justin Herbert, and Antonio Gibson, who had a phenomenal week against the Dallas Cowboys on Thanksgiving. Then we will introduce the All Fantasy First team. The, uh, Everyone, all the panel, panelists will choose a quarterback, a running back, a wide receiver, tight end, kicker, defense. That's simple. There's your all-fantasy first team, according to the Coasties panel. And then we got the Manning Award going out to the best quarterback. And it's the Peyton Manning Award because Peyton Manning was the first quarterback I've ever drafted in fantasy. Fun fact, we might have to do a quiz episode, and that might be one of the questions. Those are, the nominees are Russell Wilson, Kyler Murray, and Josh Allen. And finally, the only award with five nominees, the MVP. And the nominees are Dalvin Cook, Alvin Kamara, Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, and Devonte Adams. So there you have your Coasties Award. Comment who you think will win the awards, and we'll see you next week. I might have a bow tie on, nice little tuxedo to present the first ever Coasties Award. But that's going to do it for me. Once again, you're watching Coast to Coast, the only show for the fans, by the fans. I'm Michael Fumafredo, and we'll see you Saturday on Spotify when we bring back Casual Saturdays.